This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. And it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work, in the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen, call in sick, do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in to another edition of the Game Plan inside Carolina's Poppin' Show on Thursday night. So I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Jason Staples. No Greg Barnes tonight. Life happens. Greg was on with me with Christopher Stock from Inside the U. You can certainly go check out that podcast. Um, well worth the watch. Had the opportunity to talk to a couple couple shows down in Miami this week, but Chris is certainly one of my favorites. And Greg and I had him on the show for the next level, and then I was on his show as well. So a lot of great content there. A lot of a lot of Greg Barnes content, but. It'll be Jason and this guy tonight. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Woo! Jason, it is a uh, Miami game week, and I, I told you or asked you at, before the show, like, let's keep the Miami, the Miami fun out of it a little bit. But go ahead and get it out of your system early. Oh, oh, that's not going to happen. Uh, this is a serious podcast. Okay, I believe that. How many people in the chat believe Jason when he says no, no trolling allowed? I'm, I'm definitely not getting that out of the way early in the podcast and all that. This is a serious. This is serious business. We're here to do analysis. We're here to do analysis. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be a fun time. Might be a little shorter than normal. Might be longer than normal. You never know. I've got my uh, somebody called it a shot glass. It's actually a a kid's hourglass. Um, I pulled my Buck Sanders out of the out of the way for both of us. Jason, I, I've sort of entitled the show a stair step game. Prime time. Miami's coming to town. You know, Miami, whatever happened last weekend, is still Miami Hurricanes. Carolina's 12th in the nation, looking to get higher than that. Um, how important is this game for this program, in your opinion? I, I think it's it's pretty daggone big. Well, I mean, the question is, does anybody associated with Carolina want to have a crack at the ACC title game? Got to have it. Then, you know, if you want to make it to that game, you probably got to win this one. Yep. Expound. I know you're not a man of few words. I mean, you've been following Carolina. Florida State has sort of jumped over the hump in the last year or so. The other team you follow, Carolina's still trying to get over that hump. I believe they started at number 10 against Virginia Tech up there 
in 2021, lost that game. Um, now they're 12th. Why is it that Miami – okay, let me ask you this question and make it easy for me. Why is it that Miami has had um, not a lot of success against North Carolina? Four straight times for Mac Brown. We can't say that Carolina has been the most talented team every time, but four straight wins for North Carolina. Why is that? Well, aside from Mac Brown just – by his very nature, understanding and knowing how to, it's in his blood of knowing how to beat Miami. That's just who he is. Um, aside from that, I think a lot of it has, has come down to quarterback play and, and, and my, and uh, North Carolina having more playmakers who have ultimately been the difference in those games. Uh, I mean, a couple of those were really tight. And then there was the one where, I'm pretty sure, you know, Carter and Javante just scored again. Um, they just so, look, they one of them just broke another tackle. Yeah, I saw them um, running down A one A. Yeah, yeah. So somebody, you know, they're they're still they're still doing their thing. Um, but no, and I mean, there have been a, a few different kinds of games. So some of it is just Mac, you know, kind of it's in his blood. You could talk about that, but uh, you know, you think about the quarterbacks in the last few games. Think about the last three matchups against Miami. Last four matchups against Miami. Who was at quarterback for, for North Carolina? Some guy named Sam Howell. I think he plays in the pros. And, and then this guy, Drake May, that they've got. Yeah, So and, and for what it's worth, Sam does, doesn't just play in the pros. He plays. Like, he starts in the pros, right? When – you go back to back with starting NFL quarterbacks. Well, I mean, you're going to have more than the average success. And, you know, Miami for a couple of those years really was, was not playing real well at the quarterback position. They didn't have the stability there. And, you know, Van Dyke last year struggled in the new system. Uh, and yeah, I mean that Miami has, has been up and down on some things, but Carolina in a couple cases caught Miami on the downside. I mean, usually you want to play Miami later in the year. And you're going to get the Miami team that's not off of its off-season championship. I mean, they're, what, 22-year 20, uh, defending off-season champs. And, you know, the further away you get from the off-season and the more reality has set in. And, you know, they, they've always been a front-running program. I mean, uh, Buck talked about that last, uh, uh, you know, what, on Sunday. They've always been a program where if, if they're high and confident, they've, they've, they've got enough talent. They, they've always had enough talent to really be a problem. But if you catch them after a couple losses and things like that, I mean, culturally, they've not been uh, especially uh, robust. And um, they've not had the kind of playmakers to overcome that against a team with quality quarterbacks and really good playmakers. And Carolina's just had their playmakers click in those games. Uh, one one last thing I should point out too is Miami also has tended to be a man to man, you know, very single coverage oriented team, right? That goes back. I mean, Manny was single coverage a bunch. I mean, he ran a ton of robber man free type stuff, and they're running a lot of man coverage out there now. And with the passing games that Carolina's been able to put on the field the last four years they're not usually a team you want to single cover a bunch yeah that's a great point certainly want to get into that more um let me ask you this as a guy that's been in the college game 
and have certainly have watched and analyzed a ton over the years since that point. How much does one game carry over to the next? North Carolina coming off an absolute beatdown of Syracuse um, in a game uh, that was, I think, seven or eight point line, win 40 to seven, play probably their best game of the year without question. Then you've got Miami with the issue they had last week. Miami says all the right things this week. The coaches have said all the right things. Um, from talking to guys down there, they they put it behind them. But how much does week to week carry over in college football? It's a complicated answer because I think it it depends. It depends on to some degree on the team and on team culture, uh, and it depends on which game to which game. I mean. Uh, if you're talking about, if you're talking about, let's say next week's game was NC State, how much do you think the next game is going to, this game is going to carry over to the next one? Significantly, right? I think. Or at least you get the look ahead factor. Yeah. Well, the next game is going to affect this one, <laughs> right? And this one's probably not going to affect that one as much because you get to that one and that rivalry kicks in and that team has your full attention. Uh, on the flip side, there is a certain amount of, I'm not among those people. I mean, you get coaches that talk about this, that no oh, momentum's fake. There's no such thing as momentum, you know, whatever. I don't believe that for a second because I think confidence matters a great deal in sports, right? I mean, so think about this. I, I was just watching a little bit of, um, so on my, on the flight back, uh, last night, I was watching, uh, a little bit of, uh, full, full tilt. Or not full tilt, but uh, uh, full swing from from Netflix, the uh, the the PGA thing. Yeah, and I was watching show. clips. What's that? It's a great show. Yeah, they, yeah, they do a great job with those sports documentaries. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. And I, I was on the episode where you're watching Scotty Scheffler on an absolute heater. You know, he's just making every putt. And after this season, where he had the the greatest tee to green season since I think Tiger Woods in like '06 or whatever it was, and couldn't make a putt all year and you look at the difference of him on the greens that year and and then this year the confidence just oozes off of that and that's the thing in golf one guy you, you know you just suddenly start feeling feeling good with the putter or you feel good with a club and all of a sudden you just start hitting it straight off the tee or you just start hitting you start making putts and putts start going down and then you know i've i've had rounds where it felt like i was holding a live snake Right. You know, get the putter in my hand. And it's like, I have no idea where this is going. I, I I'm going to try to get it close or, you know, off the tee. I could go right. I could go left. I could, there's any number of places this could end up, but it's not It's not liable to be good. And then you get in, then you get hot and all of a sudden you hit, you know, 16 fairways one day. And you're like, there aren't even two, you know, I, I hit fairways on, 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 on par threes where there wasn't even a fairway. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> So, you know, I think that that's an aspect of sports that is really, I, I mean, I, I think some people underrate that effect. And so that's the part where I think stuff rolls over week to week is how confident do you feel in what you're doing? How much do you believe in what your coaches are asking you to do? How much do you, how much are you locked into your assignment to be able to do that and do it without too much thinking? And when things are when, when you're going when things are going pretty well and you're you're continuing to work and you're seeing the results of that, there's an intoxicating aspect of that to where you can start to roll with it. 
And those confident teams get really tough to beat. I mean, look at the TCU last year. That was not the second best team in the country. I mean, they 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 won what eight one score games. Yep. But that was a really confident football team. By the end of the year, they believed they could beat anybody. And that carries you a long way. So I, I do think stuff rolls over, but it can it can depend because you might pl- be playing really awful, and then just the team some somehow just gets mad and suddenly they play better. I mean, it, it just depends. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree on the golf thing, especially in, you see it in basketball. You see it in football where guys can't catch a lick. I mean, you know guys can catch football. They play college football, and, and then they drop them repeatedly because the hands, you get that little nervous energy in there. Start fighting the ball. Yeah, and, and it just looks like, what are we doing here? I, I think that, um, to your point, I think that momentum is underrated. Confidence is, is – you know, people expect confidence, but I think carryover from game to game in college players, I don't know if it matters a ton. Um, maybe it does if you start stacking those things. Like if Miami was to do what they did last week again this week, then maybe it affects them. They'd lose the locker room if they did it again. Yeah, so you've got those type things. It'd be interesting to watch how they come out. You know, Max said Monday that he expects they'll come out on fire. I mean, it's funny when I've talked to the Miami writers. You talk to some, and it was the same thing with Syracuse last week, even though I think universally Syracuse writers thought they were going to get rolled in Chapel Hill, and they were ultimately right, and we had it much closer. <laughs> um, but you've got guys that were that, that believe Miami's going to come out on fire and play well, that North Carolina's beatable. You've got others that um, believe that Miami's in trouble. You know, So I think it ultimately matters who you're playing and how they play on that day and how you play on that day. Um, we're talking with Jason Staples. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Like I mentioned, no Greg Barnes, but check out the previous work from Greg, column form, and also in video with Next Level. Jason, when you look at the athletes that Miami has, and, and we've talked about um, that for years for them, they've got some, they're getting some back, they've got some that are still injured. Um, let, let's sort of talk matchups here, and, and I think – think there's a couple key ones but i think the one that everybody's going to talk about and it's even going on in chat is elijah huzzy versus xavier restrepo just the importance of that matchup to be in north carolina's favor on saturday night well i i think that's i don't know if that's the key matchup for the for the defense but if it's not it's it's right up toward the top because you look at uh at miami's overall numbers here and i need to pull these up uh, but you look at their passing numbers and where those passes have gone. Restrepo has been a huge part of their offense. I mean, looking here at their receiving numbers, he's got 36 catches on the season. Jacoby George is second with 23. He's got basically a third more catches than anybody else. Sort of the Josh and- Downs effect for them. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite as as pronounced as as with Josh Downs, but he's a guy that that Tyler Van Dyke trusts. And and the thing with Restrepo is that when Miami has gotten in trouble, when they've been in situations where they need to make a play, he's been the guy they've gone to. Texas A&M last week against Georgia Tech, they were down in the fourth quarter, and what happened? Restrepo managed to get free on a on a deep post route made a huge catch for what 46 yards I think it was and 
that put them in position then to be able to to go down and score and that put them ahead and he and, and he had another catch on that drive too he is the guy that they consistently trust when it comes to you know when push comes to shove when it comes to to the time where you you really have to to have a play and the thing is if you're North Carolina if you ask them right now, okay, you're going to play a, a team and they've got one dynamic playmaker. Where do you want that dynamic playmaker so that you feel like you can take him away? My guess is they'd say, put him in the slot. Let Huzzy take him. And so this is going to be a big matchup because if Huzzy can, can, t- can make it so that Restrepo just isn't that reliable first down maker, you know, the guy who's going to get a big play or catch a key touchdown, that sort of thing and can lock him down and force uh, force Van Dyke to go to Col- uh, Colby Young or Jacoby George as the only real options over and over again. And, you know, they don't have the, the tight end that they've had in, in past years in terms of as a receiver. Uh, I mean, Riley Williams is a freshman. He's got some talent. And, you know, Jaleel Skinner, the sophomore, is a is, you know, he's a talented receiver, but he's just not quite panned out for them so far but you know he he's a guy that you maybe worry about a little bit but they've not had a, a tight end really get loose this year like you know tradition Miami traditionally uh but if you feel like you can take Restrepo away and then let your let the rest of your defense kind of play those other guys more and put more attention on that and concentrate on stopping the run if you can single cover Restrepo with, with, with Huzzy, I think that tips the balance of the numbers back to the defense. Yeah, you mentioned Jacoby George, Kobe Young. I think Kobe Young got dinged up against Georgia Tech. See how effective he is. But you're right, Restrepo is just that guy. And, and folks look at him, and I mentioned Josh Downs earlier. He is their Josh Downs, to, to not quite to that extent, like Jason said. But Tyler, every quarterback needs a uh, security blanket when things go wrong, and he's been that guy. I think that'll be a fascinating matchup to watch all game long. I mean, we've heard so much and we've talked so much and you've talked so much about Elijah Huzzy's Elijah Huzzy's ability um, to be that guy and how he's probably better on the corner um, than he is at the star, but it'll match up perfectly Saturday night. You mentioned if it's not the matchup on defense, um, then it's certainly at the top. So what are the other matchups you're thinking about? Because I think North Carolina's ability to make – Miami one-dimensional um, might be a big factor, but but what do you think? Well, the other one's really related to it because the, the reason that that matchup is so important is uh, that you if you can single cover there and, and really just trust Huzzy to win that matchup, then you can focus on what Miami really wants to do, and that's running the football. I mean, Crystal Ball's a former offensive lineman. He wants to pound the rock. He wants to pound the rock over and over and over and over again. You know, if, if he had his way, they would they would run the ball 60 times a game and just, you know, average five yards a carry, four and a half yards a carry and never have to throw it because that's just imposing his will. That's just how he wants that program to be. He wants to build a bully on the line of scrimmage. So Carolina's going to have to hold up on the line of scrimmage and be able to stop the run. And, you know, that's not uh that's not going to be something that's going to be super easy they they are big on the on the offensive line they are um they are pretty athletic on the offensive line and they've had a lot of success running the football so far 
I mean, first down rushing percentage, they run it more than North Carolina. North Carolina runs it a, a reasonable amount on first down. And they've had, uh, they, I mean, they run the ball 50, almost 54% of the time, just overall. They run the ball a lot. And they're getting almost six yards of carry on that. Now, their, their schedule's been a little weaker on that front, but they had some success running the ball against Texas A&M a little bit. And, you know, A&M's got a serious defensive line. Say what you want about a lot of the rest, but they've got some they've got some dudes on the defensive line. So, you know, they're going to try to come in and impose their will up front. One of the reasons that I think the, the matchup with Huzzy is so important is I think Carolina is going to have to commit an extra safety to the running game some. They're going to have to really focus on letting those linebackers trigger, doing all that. And that's going to require that they, that they win those one-on-ones against those receivers when Miami does throw it. You look at their running game, Henry Parrish, Cheney. I, I think a lot of Miami th- folks thought or expected AJ Allen to be the guy at this point in the season. Um, you know, Jason, is it is it the linebackers that are the major players for North Carolina in this game, um, or or is it a guy like Tamari Fox or Miles Murphy? I mean, how where where do you put uh, put sort of the balance of who has to play really well? Uh, to stop that running game. It's well, I think it's got to be the unit because the way that Miami likes to run it, I mean, they're going to run, they're going to run a decent amount of duo where, you know, in duo, they're going to double team both of the defensive tackles, which means the defensive tackles have to hold their water and not get pushed around by those doubles. And that takes some discipline because the defensive lineman's not going to make the play there. Right. You've got to make sure you just don't get moved. And in many cases, what you try to teach those guys against those doubles is you got to get your pad level real low and you got to, you know, hold the middle of that, of that, uh, of that double so that those guys can't move up and, and get anybody else. And then you, you almost, I mean, sometimes you tell the guy to kind of take a knee to just create a pile there, just bury it. You get, you get real low and just try to try to bury it where it is and don't let yourself get moved. And the thing is, that still puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers because with duo, the running back is not actually looking for a specific seam or hole. He's reading where the linebacker goes. So if the linebacker steps into the hole and triggers downhill too quickly against something like duo, the back is just going to bounce it because the back, it's putting the back one-on-one with that backer and it's a cat and mouse. So the backer, if he reads duo, has to make sure he's patient and kind of lets the back, you know, you're playing chicken with the back and then let the back start to hit that hole. And then you come downhill and you make that tackle. So they're going to run that. They're going to run inside zone. They're going to run power. They're going to run counter. They're going to run a lot of different stuff at you. And you just, your gap discipline across the board has to be really sound. And that's, that's a full team thing. I think it starts with the defensive tackles playing physical, unselfish football in this game. And then works its way to the rest of the front. That's the edges and the and the backers, just making sure that they are really gap sound and that they that they get that they get guys on the ground when it's time to tackle them. The good thing is, and you mentioned a lot of people thought that freshman AJ Allen would be the guy by this point. I think it's a little early for that. Uh, and you know, Parrish and Cheney have been the guys. The good thing is that I don't think any of these Miami backs are really special, right? They don't have. I mean, if if Omarion Hampton was at Miami, I think he'd be the starter. 
the way, with the way he's run this year, and also with being with the with the size and just the ability to pound the rock, he might be the starter down there. Right. It, he'd at least be in 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 the, in the discussion in the mix to 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 start. Parrish is a good back, but you know he's 5'10", 190, and you know he's slippery, but you can get him on the ground, and he's not a breakaway threat really. He's not a he's not a run and hide guy. Cheney, I, I actually think is a little bit better back, and I'm looking at the numbers here. Parrish is actually averaging a little more per carry, so he's been a little more productive. Cheney's a guy that you know he's got a little more burst at times, and he's about two ten. Uh, he's a little burstier to me, just to my eye, a uh, little less wiggle, but and and you gotta you gotta really hold up against his physicality but neither of those guys is a guy where if he gets a seam it's 80 and go right you know 80 into the house and you know i haven't seen enough of aj allen to really know for sure where he's at on that but i think you know he again he's a little bit smaller back a little i think a little faster but you're it's really about about holding up against that big offensive line and not allowing them to have the success rate that they've had against lesser competition so far this year. If you can hold that, hold up on in your gap control and hold up against that offensive line, I think you can, you can start to force them to throw a little bit more on your terms. And then, then that tips the balance back. So force them to throw what's North Carolina's game plan. And some folks in the chat caught the reference earlier. That was a, that was a high level reference. I'm not going to say it again, because if you didn't catch it, you totally missed it. Uh, But it was, it was a great, great um, – it's kind of like an Easter egg in a Disney movie or something. You had to be paying attention. Um, but you force Miami to throw. What makes Tyler Van Dyke gettable for North Carolina's defense? Because he's had some success against North Carolina in the last couple of years. So, you know, Van Dyke is a guy that I think you have to get pressure on. Uh, and you, I think you, you need to make sure that he is – He's first of all, that he doesn't have his first read comfortably open right away. So he's a guy when he is able to just sort of play seven on seven, drop back and and sling it without any real pressure and throw to his first read, he can be real accurate and he's got a big arm and he can cause real problems for you. If he has to if he has to move off his spot, if he you know, if he has to to make an off-platform throw or if, you know, I, my feeling is that when he moves into second and third reads, there are times where his footwork kind of isn't isn't exactly right and he he throws a little bit off platform sometimes and he'll skip a ball if you can force him off his first read make him move off his spot a little bit i think you feel more comfortable with him he's not a guy that's going to run it not 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 a bunch i don't know what his what his rushing numbers are in the year but he can't be over about 30 yards yeah i think he's got 39 on the year yeah so i mean he's one of those guys that that you 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 feel like you can rush the passer sort of more traditionally with him and the more you compress him, the more you make him work down his his progression chain. I think the better off you are against him. Yeah, that's the thing. He uh, he doesn't get sacked a lot, um, but he doesn't move a lot. So that tells you how good Miami's offensive line is keeping him upright in the pocket. I think a guy like Cayman Rucker is going to be a big deal for North Carolina. Uh, maybe Amari Gaynor in a game like this. We hadn't really talked about him a lot over the last couple of weeks, but uh, you know, I think to Jason's point, and I think Jason, I think. I, hope that I characterize your comments fairly. It's going to be a team defensive effort against North Carolina, probably led by Huzzy on Restrepo. Um, but you work all the way down to that defensive line, preventing Miami from doing exactly what they want to do. And there have been times in the past where Carolina's defense 
has not been able to do that. I think this might be a, a sort of a telltale, a stair step game, if you will, for the defense, Jason. Yeah, and and Rutgers going to have to to cause some havoc from the edge. They've got a couple offensive tackles who've had a lot of success this year. I mean, they got the one guy, uh, his name's escaping me right now, uh, who you know the freshman that they've got. He's he's probably going to be a first rounder down the line. He's he's really talented. He's really really good. And the more Carolina's edges can kind of control that edge. I mean, he's still a freshman. So take advantage of it while you can. Um, Rucker needs to needs to emerge a little bit off the edge when he when they get chances on longer yardage or whatever. They're going to need to get some pressure. Yep. I don't want to mispronounce his his uh, last name, but his first name is Francis. He is a five-star freshman, and he is a stud. It'll be interesting to see how, how North Carolina deals with it. Um, we're working through the game plan for North Carolina. It is time for some Johnny T-shirt talk. Oh, yeah. I need to pass the read off to Jason one time and then be Jason during the read. But Johnny T-shirt, certainly friends of this podcast, friends of you as an Inside Carolina subscriber. And if you're watching this and you're down in Miami and you want to get some Carolina swag when you're up here, you can hit up Johnny T-Shirt, too, on Franklin Street. They, they'll help anybody. They'll help everybody with the same great customer service as they've done online and in person. It might be raining a little bit during your tailgate. You can come by and get some ponchos, some Johnny T-Shirt, some rain gear. You can get your Drake May jerseys and other NIL jersey effects from Johnny T-Shirt. And anything you can get in store, most of the time you can get it online. They'll bring it right to your house. Uh, check them out. Johnny T-Shirt, sponsor of this show. 10% off Inside Carolina Premium subscribers and just great friends of North Carolina and their alumni-owned and operated. Check them out. National guys will pay the bills. It's the game plan with Jason Staples. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Okay, Jason, uh, Game Plan Podcast. Like I said, uh, North Carolina, Miami, stair-step game, showcase game. Let's go to the North Carolina offense, dealing with Miami's defense. Again, Miami's got some players. Uh, Kitchens on the back end has struggled at times, but is a very good player. Let's order this in some significant order. Order of importance for North Carolina's offense. Is it going to be the same as Miami's? Run the ball first. Uh, tell us what happens or what North Carolina wants to do. I see you shaking your head, and I agree with you, uh, but I'm teeing it up for you to knock it out of the park. This is a, this is a let Drake May do Drake May things game, in yep. my opinion. Miami's got, Miami is the best defensive line that North Carolina has faced this year, 
and it's not especially close. I mean, they're better up front than Pitt was. Pitt got some pressure, and Pitt was able to limit the running game some. And Miami's better up front than Pitt was. And, I mean, the other thing is that Miami, both of their safeties, you realize how big Miami's safeties are? Have you looked at the have you looked at the heights and weights of those guys? Not, but I know Kitchens is a big guy. What They're are they for? Enormous. They're Cam Kitchen. I mean, uh, Cam Chancellor, enormous. Yeah. So one is James Williams. I think he's six five, like two twenty, or six four, two twenty. That's my size. He's not that big <laughs> for a safety. That's I, 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 and, and, and a guy totally that can run joke. like that. I totally um, joke. So I'm 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 looking this up now, but those guys are really big. Uh, this is this is a this is a big overall defense up front and then at the safety positions those guys come down hard against the run. I mean Kitchens is six foot two oh five, and I I mean he's a big two oh five. He he's a load. And then James Williams six five two fifteen. It's a listed weight. That's it's a big pair of safeties. Yes, and those guys are active in the running game. They will come down and they're going to play. They're going to try to take the run away. I mean that is Mario Cristobal is 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 old school in this. Run the football, stop the run. That's where he's going to start, right? So, in my view, and and you know Leonard Taylor, the the defensive tackle there, is one of the best in in the conference and among the best in the in the in the country. Uh, and both of the both of their ends, Mesidor and and Kelly, have some size. I mean they can they can stop the run. They're, they they can hold up, and they've got a, uh, a couple guys in the in the back uh, in their backups. Actually, I think Bain may have started last week. Uh, Ruben Bain, the the freshman from Florida, the edge. Um, he's a guy that that is again another big body. They're going to use those big bodies to to work against the run. They're going to bring the, the those safeties down when they want to, and those guys will work against the run. And they're not bad at backer. I mean, they've got a couple that are that are pretty good. Uh, they got three transfer linebackers that are starting and all three of them are pretty decent, but I think you can get them in the pass. You can, you can get some of those backers in the passing game. And there is still a little bit of, I think you can gash them once or twice for a big play in the running game, just because one of those backers might misfit. So, you know, you stick with the run enough because you're going to get a couple that might pop, but you're not going to get a bunch of success, a high success rate against this defense running the football. I don't think. Not with the with the offensive line matchup. The key for me in this game, you got to protect Drake May long enough for him to be able to comfortably get get the ball out against that front. This is a game where I think you you throw the ball on first down more, and you let you let uh, Drake when he, when they're trying to stop the run when they're loading up to stop the run. You let Drake May do Drake May things on those neutral downs. You challenge them downfield. They're going to play some single coverage on you. They've got a couple of pretty decent corners. I mean, Daryl Porter's pretty good. Um, I haven't really paid much attention to the transfer Jaden Davis, so I don't really know how good he is. Uh, but, and you know, Couch, they're not bad. Couch leads the team in interceptions, and he's, I think, their slot corner. Yeah, he's their slot corner. Um, and, you know, interceptions is a, a little bit of a deceptive stat in terms of, you know, whether you're actually the best guy on your team in, in that respect, but in terms of coverage. But you know they're not bad on the back end, but they're gonna they're gonna single cover you some because they want to stop the run. Well, 
in my view, if I'm if I'm coming in this as North Carolina coaching staff and knowing that I'm going to get some advantageous matchups there, I'm going to get single coverage against Tez Walker some. I'm going to get McCollum in single coverage. I'm going to get JJ in single coverage. I'm going to get my tight ends in single coverage some. Okay, well, this is a respect thing. Let's let's make him respect it and let's let's get some big plays. Let's let Drake May make make some plays down the field. To me, that's what you do in this game. When their safeties are so active in the run game, and you mentioned the size of them, I mean, it seems like if they don't devote one to Tez Walker, that could be a that could be an issue. Yep, and you know, to me, this is a game. This might be the game for Tez Walker to announce himself on a national stage. Right, you run by a Daryl Porter or a Jaden Davis a couple times for long scores, you get some folks' attention. And if I'm game planning this, he's now going to have had a full week of of practice as an, as the first teamer and eligible and all that ready to go. This is a game where you you take a couple shots, you let him have some of those opportunities and see if he can win. And I think you feel real good about that. Somebody in the chat mentioned Willie Lampkin. Uh, it's funny. I listened to Willie this week. And 90% of the questions were about his size as an offensive guard playing on offensive line. Now, the question here in the chat, can Big Willie compete effectively against that size? Jason, ex explain why um, Willie Lampkin can be effective against just about anybody bigger than him because everybody he goes up against is bigger than him. Yeah, I mean, he's already gone against guys that are actually bigger than Miami up front it's it, the the issue with miami is not just that they're big it's that you know leonard taylor's a, an athlete right and that's what makes him so hard to block is you know the combination of bursts and explosion explosiveness at you know 300 pounds so it's not just that he's 300 pounds you know he's listed at what 305 it's that he's 305 and can move well the the thing that lampkin brings to the table is he moves his feet better than anybody else in the on the carolina offensive line and the other thing is, because he's short, he plays with with leverage. So he does actually play low. And, you know, the thing, the thing that you, at worst for him, you don't feel like he's going to just get blown by because he's going to be able to move his feet. He's going to be able to match and mirror. So at worst, you feel like he's going to get, he's going to give you a situation where he gets run over slowly. That can work, right? That's fine. It, like, if he gets run over slowly... 40 passes a game in, in this scenario. So for 40 passes, while Drake may gets enough time, as long as he doesn't get run over quickly, it's fine. He's done his job and he's done well. He's not going to whiff a lot either because of that athleticism. That's right. The guy does not whiff. So, you know, if you just are getting a, a good piece and just keeping your body in between the quarterback and, and the guy you're blocking and Maybe you're giving up a little bit of ground here and there just because there's a little bit of a power deficit. Well, that's fine. The guy's still not making the sack. He's still not really pressuring your quarterback too much. So, I mean, I think, you know, he does a good job of compensating for the lack of bulk by being really good with his leverage, his by with the quick feet and not missing assignments. So, you know, I think you feel comfortable with him. I, I think actually you feel probably about as comfortable with him as anybody on the offensive line. If anything, I'm worried about the other guard. Let's talk about that side and and talk about uh, let's talk about Diego Pounds 
this is a guy we've talked about that has good feet and all. He he's had some good times and bad times. Sort of go through North Carolina's offensive line dealing with that Miami defensive line, and I think Lampkin will be fine. To your point, worst case, um, he gets pushed back slowly, uh, but I don't think that happens either. But at any rate, rest of North Carolina's offensive line. Obviously, Corey Gaynor has played against Miami for the, this will be his second time. Played for Miami for four times. Uh, where do you see the rest of North Carolina's offensive line giving Drake the opportunity? And not only Drake, but given Marion Hampton, you know, British Brooks, Caleb Hood, possibly uh, chances to, to run the football. Yeah, my real concern is at that right guard spot. Because I think I think Miami's going to put Taylor there a good bit over that guy and give him a you know one-on-one as much as they can there. And Carolina's had a, a bit of a leaky problem there all season. I mean, Barnes has not played especially great there. Um, when they've when they've had uh, Montalus on the field, you know he's usually at the at the left guard, and so then the right guard is is usually going to be uh, Willie at that point. But Adorno also is not, you know, he's not been real dynamic at that spot either. You know, has not been the solution when when Barnes has struggled. So to me, it's that other guard, whoever's on on the field other than Willie, is is my concern. Uh, and, and if I'm Miami, that's the guy I'm trying to target in how I'm structuring my front. So, okay, Willie Lampkins at left guard, right guard. I'm That's where I'm going to put my best defensive lineman, and I'm going to call some some fronts to make sure that I'm getting an advantageous three-technique matchup where he, where it's one-on-one and, I, and the center can't help. That's what I'm trying to do a lot of. If I'm Carolina in pass uh, protection – I'm giving my my backs and even sometimes my H backs sort of a little bit of a an alert of do your usual double read blitz check. But if a guy's not coming straight downhill on the A gap, just you know, make sure you're keeping an eye on on that matchup. Find where Taylor is or find whoever's got the one-on-one on our on that guard, and maybe you chip him on your way out of the backfield or whatever. There's different things you can do to kind of help in those cases. So I mean, beyond that, you're just asking those guys, look, can you just hold up for, for two seconds? Two seconds, and, and Drake's going to make you look real good. And that, that to me, that's, that's a big part of this game, is can you, can you not lose at that spot by a bunch? Can you just make sure you stalemate at that spot as much as possible? If you do, I think you, you, you score a bunch of points in this game. Yeah, somebody said, does Miami blitz a lot? And, uh, I mean... In terms of numbers, I actually don't know the don't know that they're pretty aggressive overall. Um, I'll check the actual numbers on their blitz uh, percentage. Give me just a moment, but yeah, but yeah they will they will blitz, but they're not. Yes. Uh, I don't think they're a they're you know a bring the house team from what I've seen. Yeah, and their defensive line is certainly strong enough to get pressure without blitzing. Um, interesting fun fact for North Carolina fans: Leonard Taylor they blitz twenty eight percent of the time, which is. Uh, Six percent more than North Carolina, but it's not it's not a super high percentage nationally. Yeah. Taylor number fifty six on that defensive line. Lawrence Taylor, number fifty six for the Giants, of course, number ninety eight for North Carolina. A little bit ago, back in the early eighties. Uh Jason, so order of importance before we get into our last segment of the day. Pressure on Drake. This is for North Carolina to win this game, and I'm not doing predictions yet, but pressure on Drake. Or Carolina's ability to shut down Restrepo. Pressure on Drake. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, that's not even a question. Because, first of all, I, because I think even if Restrepo get, you know, has a few catches, I think you're going to limit him enough. I mean, Huzzy's not going to lose that matchup by, you know, he's not going to lose that matchup. He may give up a couple of catches. That's fine. Right. So but this is a. You've got to be able to score points to win this game. And, you know, the best case scenario here is this is a wounded Miami team, and you're able to come out and get a couple quick, get some points on the board quickly early in the game and sort of make this a, you know, test of their psyche a little bit early, get a couple deep ones, that sort of thing. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to protect. And, you know, I'm, I'm of the view that if you can, if you can keep Drake may upright and give him an opportunity to throw to the, to Walker and McCollum and the rest of the receivers out there, if you can do that, then you're going to score a lot of points in almost every game. I mean, you're, you're looking at 40 being kind of your, your expectation. If Drake is, is, is getting ample time. You know, I don't know that Miami scores that many points against your defense, right? You get you hit you hit forty and you feel like you should win this game. You hit thirty five and you feel like you should win this game. And if you can give Drake May time, you feel like you should score thirty five in every game. A couple questions in the chat. Jordan Taylor does Miami play a lot of one on one? Jason talked about that earlier. Um, rewind this show and check that out it's in there and then also i saw a question here you go this is a good question from wh thirteen fifteen. this is certainly relevant drake may is of course the guy that will break your heart on third and seven um and, but i also think we talked about this a little jason do, do the athletic safeties negate drake scrambling in effectiveness well i think that's the tez walker effect that you talked about this week at inside carolina so i think Maybe depending on how they're able to deploy him. If you're able to beat him deep a couple times, it ain't going to matter because they're not going to be real close to the line of scrimmage. And by the way, in terms of coverage percentages, this is per uh, True Media. Uh, Miami's been in quarters thirty-two percent of the of, of the of the season, so that's usually going to be a cover seven variant with the way that they cover, uh, which is basically a matchup uh, a match cover four. So. Basically, if you if you run four verts, four guys go vertical, then they're going to have the two corners and the two safeties are going to match those guys one on one upfield. And then depending on what routes you run, it'll turn into a matchup zone where, again, you're going to get one on one matchups across the board. Uh, It's just a matter of who matches up with whom based on wide receiver releases. That's the modern coverage. It's what most teams base out of. Carolina runs a decent amount of it, too. Uh, And then they run cover one about 20, 22% of the time and then cover three, 22% of the time. So about 44% of the time they're in a single high situation where you're getting one-on-ones on the outside. It'd be something to watch. I've got a question in the chat that I'm going to ask on the back half, but I'm going to talk about for this last segment, we're going to talk about predictions and what will happen. Um, but I'm going to talk about congruity right now. New sponsor at inside Carolina for this show and for all our shows, Congruity is a North Carolina-based company with national coverage, a personal preference. Like I said, they're straight from the Tar Heel State. They take care of your small and mid-sized business. They out, you know, you outsource the HR and payroll to them. You can grow the, grow the business and take care of your greatest assets, uh, the people, and they'll help you with the people. They do all that kind of stuff because we all know, folks, in a business, your employees are the most important people. A lot of businesses don't think that way. 
congruity makes sure that you're able to take care of those people, take care of them with their top flight customer service, their top flight technology, their top flight ability to get you and your business on the right track, take care of it all. So do this, congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. You go in, you fill out a, a, a form and sort of a little survey, and they'll give you a free assessment if you're an Inside Carolina fan. So if you go congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels, you do that form, that assessment's free from their top-notch consultants. Darren and Matt are all about North Carolina. They're all about taking care of the state of North Carolina. And that right there takes care of Inside Carolina as our sponsor, new sponsor to these Inside Carolina podcasts and live shows and all that. So that brings me to the last segment. And I want to ask a question, Jason, before we get to the predictions. And I got to give a shout out to Slagle. He's always in here. Man, it is cool <laughs> that we get a lot of the same people. Um, I see some new names. I see Kelby. Kelby, I don't remember seeing your name before, at least not in the live chat. Appreciate you joining. I'll try to shout out a couple people every week. 350-plus folks. Biggest advantage for North Carolina in this game, Jason. I'm sure we've talked about it, but if we haven't, um, go there. But if we have, reiterate it for folks before I pin you down on a prediction. I think Slagle actually answered it in the rest of his question. I think the the Carolina passing game against the the Miami secondary, with Tez Walker and and Nate McCollum healthy uh, and Drake May slinging it around, that's your biggest advantage. You've you've got to lean into that. You feel like you you can beat those guys in the secondary, and 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 get some plays. I mean, shoot, Georgia Tech had opportunities. I mean, they only had seventy passing yards before the fourth quarter, or before the final drive. Well, it was seventy four yards before that final drive, and then they got another seventy on that final drive. Uh, so it wasn't like they ran up a bunch of of uh, of yardage there. But if you watched the uh, the only time that they've played a team with a with the passing game with a pulse was against Texas A&M. And in terms of defensively in that one, Texas A&M threw for 336 yards, two two scores. Uh they did throw two interceptions and you know Miami is opportunistic, but if you watch that, Texas A&M had some wide receivers open. And they had opportunities to to make some big plays in that game. And and AM scored what thirty three points in that game. They could have scored more. They they just made some pretty major mistakes. You feel like you've got some matchups there. And then the biggest challenge, I think, by far, is the line of scrimmage on you know in terms of Miami's defensive line against your offensive line. You got to hold up there. And you know the second biggest challenge is their offensive line against your defensive line. I mean, the line of scrimmage is the real battle here. Where if you if you can if you can stalemate this game on the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball you win the game yeah i mean that's that's the thing and listening to the miami guys that inside the u and all that is miami has to make it a line of scrimmage game to be able to to beat carolina in chapel hill at 7 30 on saturday night a couple more questions let's see jeff Polly. we answered your question about huzzy and restrepo uh slagle's questions there all right this goes into what will happen, Jason, for North Carolina's offense. Uh, Jason, their DL is super aggressive up front, upfield, it appears. What's your take on Carolina? How might take advantage of that? Shout out Phil Bowen for the question. And then also, Jason, sort of roll that in to what will happen and how this game breaks down and your prediction with no Greg Barnes to piggyback on. And Greg couldn't piggyback on you either. It was funny. Yeah, so, you know, I think, I think in terms of their – 
aggressive defensive line. One thing that you that you try to do is, you know, if they get over aggressive, you screen them a little bit. Uh, I think this is a game where one of the more important things for for Drake May is to really be aware of where his his checkdown is, where his outlet is, and use that outlet a bunch in this game. You know, if those guys start to get upfield and make him uncomfortable at all, use the outlet. Make sure that that you're getting the ball out of your hand well. Uh, but if they start to get if they start to get upfield and really aggressive against the pass, that's where this is a pass to set up the run game. You you've you've developed balance all off season, all through the first part of the season. Emphasize the running game. So that when you get a team that sees Drake May on the schedule and they go, Drake May just threw for 400 yards last week, better be ready. And those defensive linemen start getting upfield and getting super aggressive. Well, the moment they start to pin their ears back and treating everything like it's short or like it's a long yardage, just turn around and hand the ball off. Okay. That defensive end's running upfield. That's great. We'll just move him, just let the offensive tackle sort of let him overrun the play. Let the back run right between the guard and the tackle. You got a seam. Let Omari and Hampton pound that, uh, force that linebacker to come up and make that tackle on him 16, 17, 18 times a game. And when he's tired, let, let British Brooks at 225 pounds do the same thing. So it is a game where you have to maintain some balance. You can't just line up and throw it 70 times, but if you throw it, if you're throwing it well on first down and they start to try to get real aggressive like that, that's when you start to hit it with the running game. But it's, it is that balance. And I think that's what you got to do now in terms of prediction. That's a tough one. Cause okay. I think this is, I, I think this is really, this is a really evenly matched game. This is, you know, I, I could flip a coin in this game and feel pretty, you know, I could defend my my pick either way. But I do think this is in Chapel Hill. Uh, uh, make, that makes a difference here. Uh, you know, Miami's not used to playing in front of in front of fans, and that's going to be a probably a factor. Um, and then the other thing is if I have to pick, I mean, Van Dyke's been good this year, but they haven't really played anybody yet. Drake May, I think is rounding into shape with Tez Walker and McCollum there. I think the, I think the team with the playmakers outside and the quarterback to make more plays is going to be the home team. I think this is probably a close game. Uh, I I think this is one that goes into the fourth quarter, but I am going to pick Carolina to win this. I'm going to go with uh, North Carolina 34 uh, Miami 27. I think it's a pretty close, pretty close game. Um, and I do think this game most likely does end with with you know one of the teams taking a knee. It is uh Greg had it thirty one twenty seven by the way <laughs> on next level. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> and um, I think your point about Miami finally playing on the road. I think they played Temple up there, um, but they played you know the other Miami and Hard Rock. Texas A and M and Hard Rock, Bethune Cookman and Hard Rock. At yeah, Temple. they haven't played in front of in front of fans really all year. Yeah, Georgia Tech and Hard Rock. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Keenan Stadium will be on fire. I think the the whatever weather will be out of the 
out of the mix. It was ugly in Georgia Tech-Miami game weather-wise, and I think that sort of had an effect. Um, this is one of those games while Matt Brown put turf in Keenan Stadium, um, if it is a little bit of weather. I'm on, I had it like, you know how me, I always try to do off scores so I can get that score agami. I had like 36-32 North Carolina. Um, we'll see about the knee fashion. Uh, I don't know. The way North Carolina plays is, other than Minnesota, they have an opportunity to run a clock out and they can't get it done and they have to win it with the defense on the field or the defense will certainly be out there. But either way, I, I think North Carolina wins this game. You're right. It's a Drake May game and it's a stair-step game. Jason, for North Carolina, um, wish, wish, when we go back and look at this game as it's all told, uh, when we're talking about it on Sunday, give me one player, one single player, somebody in the chat said, who is one guy, and let's take Drake May off the table, one guy that we're talking about Sunday morning. Tez Walker. Tez Walker. Is this the game that he breaks out? Tez, of course, eligible two days before the Syracuse game. Certainly was a factor then. Certainly will be a factor on Saturday night. That's Jason Staples. We're going to get out of here a little bit early. Jason, it's always a pleasure. Check out all the content at Inside Carolina. Taylor was on the Levitard show. That video is out there. Check it out at Inside Carolina. Well, that had to be and, fun. I know. It looked like it was fun. I haven't watched it yet. I'm planning on it tomorrow. I'll get all my other fix in on Fridays. Uh, Greg Barnes' column about big-time football back in Chapel Hill. And, of course, all the content from Adam, Jeremiah, and Evan on the beat. Um, there's some women's basketball coverage at Inside Carolina late night tomorrow night or, or live action or whatever they call it in Chapel Hill. And if you're in Chapel Hill during the day on Friday, the baseball team is having inter-squad scrimmage. Just a ton going on this time of the year in Chapel Hill, a ton at Inside Carolina. Shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity for sponsoring the show. Jason is always my man. I need, we need to get you down to Chapel Hill and into Bowles Lot on Saturday, um, but I'm sure we'll talk to you on Inside Carolina Live as well. Thanks, Tommy. This game's going to end with a knee. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. <laughs>